We look at the transfer portal and specifically defensive backs and kind of give you an update of what's going on. Also, can Michael Trigg be an all-SEC level player? We let you know. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Hi, hello, everybody. I'm Stephen Willis. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the transfer portal and specifically defensive backs that Ole Miss might be pursuing as we're going. I think two of these players have already taken visits. I do not know about the visit status of the third, but it's three names that we probably need to pay attention to moving forward. I mean, it could be quite interesting indeed. The first one we're going to start off with has visited Ole Miss. We're going to show pictures of him on his visit. Antonio Carter, he's a defensive back out of Rhode Island. He has offers all over the place. If you go to his Twitter profile, you can see his address up above me right there, you'll see that really Ole Miss is the only non-thank-you-for-the-offer thing out there, but there's offers from just about everybody. He's a defensive back that is the definition of blowing up right now in the portal. He's visited Ole Miss. He had a good time at Ole Miss. He's retweeted like Zach Barry in the Ole Miss spirit. He obviously had a bump coming off of that visit, but he has not pulled the trigger and committed one way or another. We do not know how he's going to go. But the Rhode Island to Ole Miss thing, everybody needs to pay attention to that. Another person that has taken a visit to Ole Miss as a defensive back is Jalen Key. Um, I think he visited Monday or Tuesday of last week or something like that. I seem to remember everybody talking about that. But this is Brad Logan talking about him setting up that visit. He is a defensive back from UAB. He is also blowing up in the portal. There's no doubt that Ole Miss and Pete Golding has a type at the moment. They're trying to make this defense fit what they want to do as much as possible. And some of that is going to be weeding players out, bringing players in. You're, if you can do maximum turnover, maybe not to the level of Deion Sanders in Colorado, but if you can do maximum turnover, you can replace that roster and turn it over a little bit quicker. And that defense can hit. Because like we said, this year is about <clears throat> maximizing entirely maximizing. Um, so next year – kind of goes smoothly you want to be in position to make the first college football playoff in 2024 and that involves turning over this defense quickly that involves being honest with yourself about this defense that involves not thinking of it in a way that is detrimental to what you are doing it's 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 it just is what it is um and part of that is turning over the defensive back at really a really good fate um rate. Now the third name we're going to mention is Trey Amos. He's a cornerback from Louisiana Lafayette. Obviously I would keep an eye on Billy Napier and the Florida Gators here, Um, but he's somebody else that is blowing up and once they hit the transfer portal. Now my theory about the transfer portal, especially 
this portal. This window is really similar to the late signing period in high school recruiting. It is real similar to that. As players that are pretty good, solid players, really good college players at their level are going to demand more money, more attention, because the numbers are in, as such that warrants that to happen. You've seen this happen on the late signing day the last couple of years. There might be a three-star defensive lineman that all of a sudden, just right before late signing day, Texas, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss comes in, and it turns into a dogfight. Now, in December, that would not be a dogfight, and it wasn't a dogfight. But as it gets a little bit closer to that, it becomes a bit of a dogfight. So... We'll see exactly what happens. But those are three names that you probably need to watch going into late signing day or, or this late transfer portal window. Three defensive players. We're trying to make this defense as good as it can be. And a lot of that is going to be forcing players out and bringing players in. Now, I'm not talking about the Braxton Myers because, honestly, I can't wrap my head around that. I've heard rumors that he just didn't like Oxford. It just did not fit in from the jump when he got to Ole Miss. And after his spring practice, he saw where he was on the depth chart, and he determined it wasn't worth it. It, it just kind of is what it is. So transfer portal-wise, the defensive back position, they're obviously concentrating on that. Now, wide receiver position, we talked about Cody Epps just yesterday. He withdrew from the portal. He's going back to BYU. It was obviously an NIL play that worked. I mean, that's, that's what it looked like. And we'll see exactly how this goes. And like, he gives a final four, and BYU is not one of them, and he ends up going back to school. So it's pretty obvious what happened there as well. So we'll see what happens in this transfer portal window. Remember, everybody that can be in the transfer portal window, they're there but they can sign for the next couple of months. So this probably isn't going to slow down. But Ole Miss doesn't have to worry about losing anybody else. And before I take a break, I do want to say this. Everybody's going to mention, I think Ole Miss has 31 players or lost 31 players to the transfer portal this year. And this is why the sky isn't falling on that one. If you look, other than Tysheem Johnson and David Signick-Benusen, um, it's depth that is happening. It is, it is players that are buried on the depth chart. It was players, honestly, that in a lot of cases you're indifferent at best at trying to replace those guys because you can replace those guys. It's fairly easy to replace a third string player now, but starters, that's a different story. Davison and Taishim, those absolutely hurt a little bit. The other ones are just potential plays. They might be buried on the depth chart. Brandon Buckhalter probably needs to come back as well. But, you know, any player that went in this late window, this late cycle, cannot go to an SEC school. If you can't go to an SEC school, I, I'm the type of fan that doesn't really pay attention to people that leave the university. My only concern, if, if I'm not competing with you, I don't particularly care. No matter who it is, it could be a starting quarterback. You're either with us or you're against us. That's just the way I look at it. I don't go into too much things of doom and gloom because a player is gone. 
player wants to leave, he can leave. Player wants to stay like DeAndre Prince, I will celebrate that. I will talk about that all day. Because to me, that's more important than a player that got out of here, especially a reserve player. But that's just my opinion at the moment. Right now, I do want to let you know, though, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all those sugar and calories, then let me tell you about the best-tasting protein bar ever built. you got to try this. If you're like me and you want a healthier snack choices but don't want to compromise taste, Built Bars and Built Puffs are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing that you won't know they're good for you. You got to try this. What makes them so good? Well, 100% dark chocolate is the first reason. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how they do it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better, they are healthy. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't need to wait to get a box. We, for years, we've been telling you to go to Built.com and put in promo code LOCKEDON15 and order your boxes. Now you can go to Walmart or Sam's and just get them off the shelf. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You will thank me later, seriously. And if you want a specialty flavor, just go to Built.com and put in the promo code. I don't know if it works, but it's worth a shot, right? So do that. You'll you Seriously, you'll thank me later for that. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We'll have Tom Vanderford. He'll come back for his weekly segment on Ole Miss football. But also, we're going to talk about the offensive line position because we're about to talk about the tight ends and specifically Michael Trigg right now. He's a pet project of mine, Michael Trigg. And this I say that as somebody that can't do anything to help his production in any way but he's a pet project of mine. And what I mean by that is I pay extra attention to what he does. And everydayers can attest to the fact that I am team 12 personnel. I want 12 personnel. That's just period. I want 12 personnel on the field. We can run the same formation, the same plays and everything, but I want to see what Michael Trigg looks like at slot receiver with Caden Priestcorn playing as a traditional tight end in this offense if you can do that you have a chance to be pretty special what made Brock Bowers special other than the fact that he's just an unbelievable athlete but that's not the point what made him special in Georgia's offense and I would argue it was Darnell Washington 
and his ability to be used as a slot receiver and matchup problems that create it, it helps that Brock Bowers can run like a deer. That's not what I'm saying. But the size difference of him lining up on a safety or a cornerback, it was a mismatch from the jump. Michael Trigg can do similar things to that. Now, we need a quarterback that can use the middle of the field. Period. End of story. That I am 90% sure that Jackson Dart will be the quarterback in the fall. That 10% comes from the middle of the field. The fact that at this point he just wasn't forcing the middle of the field as a choice. Not, I'm say, not saying a receiver wasn't open or something or a receiver was covered, throwing into coverage. Because if you throw into coverage in the middle of the field, you're, you're, you're messed up. You're, you're done for. What I'm talking about by forcing it is his mental block that he has of throwing stuff outside the hashes. He, he forced himself to go through his read. Certain plays, the first read is the tight end over the middle of the field. And he, forcing him to throw the passes and do the things that he needed to do would help, would help him out greatly, honestly. I, I, I have total faith that he could do it. I just need to see him do it. And if he does it as the starting quarterback with Michael Trigg and Caden Priestcorn in the middle of the field, you have an Ole Miss offense that has a chance to be the most explosive offense in school history. Period. End of story. You have the best running back in the nation. We did a show on that just the other day. You have all-conference players and five stars all over the receiving core. All over. Look at them. And, heck, you have backup running backs that were all-conference-type level players. You have four out of five offensive linemen coming back to school. And, the one you're replacing that was going as a seventh-round pick in the NFL draft, you're replacing with guys that were on all-conference teams in Power 5 conferences or in G5 conferences in regards to the kid from UAB. You should be able to do what you need to do. But this is it. Get the ball out of your hand quickly. Do not turn the football over. Use all parts of the field. Whichever quarterback does all three of those things will be the starting quarterback for Mercer, for the Mercer game. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be Jackson Dart. I'm not saying it's going to be Spencer Sanders at this point. But those, those are the traits that are going to win this job. It, it just is what it is. Not every pass needs to be all the way down the field. And also, I did really like the spring game of using the running backs in the past game. Um, Quinshawn has a chance to be a we weapon. He looks effortlessly, ca effortlessly catching the ball. Seriously. It's, he's effortless doing it. it it's, it's pretty amazing. But if all of this comes together with Michael Trigg, with a combination of playing slot receiver and tight end, he has a chance to be a little bit of a weapon. Now, I just do not want it to be the outside-the-hash passes that he caught with those little screen passes behind the line of scrimmage early in the season. What I want to see him look like is more like Kenny Oboa did in 2020. That's what I want to see from Michael Trigg in 2023. If we do that with the running game and everything that's on the table offensively, this offense has a chance to be unbelievably special. 
listen, we'll take this into account. Like on three and two, four, seven, there's there, we're doing off season stuff where they're starting to rank position groups within the country. You know, as the magazines are getting ready to come out in a couple of weeks, they are ranking those. And Ole Miss ended up at fifth on their running back list, which is a joke, but, you know, it is what it is. Best running back in the country plays in Oxford. And the quarterback room is in the top ten as well. So you take Ole Miss, which is consistently underrated by national publications, and they're even having to acknowledge that, hey, okay, this is a good room. There's just others that has to be better. You know, if they're even acknowledging them, Something you need to pay attention to. Seriously. Now, granted, these are the same people that vote for Texas and Notre Dame every year. Kind of is what it is. But when we come back, Derek Vandegrift is going to come back and talk about the Mizzou baseball series. Ole Miss needs a sweep. Ole Miss desperately needs a sweep. We are willing a sweep to happen. We'll talk to Derek in just a second. Stick around. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications. Upvote. Comment. Join our subtext community. All those things would help us out, and we'd be very appreciative of it. We're here with Derek Vandy Griff. We're going to talk about Ole Miss baseball, who is kind of in it for Hoover at this point, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're definitely in it. Uh, quite frankly, I'd be a little surprised if we didn't make it at this point. Uh, ended up doing what we needed to do. Got two this past weekend against Georgia. Uh, you know, we're we're going to Missouri this weekend, who, who we're tied for at the bottom of the SEC. Obviously, two teams don't make it, but uh, only a game, really a game and a half behind State since they have the tiebreaker over us. And, uh, you know, we're not that far off from Georgia either. We're uh, – two or three games back of them right now. And, uh, you know, they state and, and Georgia both have much more difficult schedules than we do moving forward. Yeah. Would you say that this weekend is kind of do or die for this baseball season? Um, basically if you go up to Missouri, you sweep them. Hoover is completely in play and everything oh, yeah. kind of is in front of you. If you, but if you were to go up there and get one of two, if Missouri were to win that series, it, it would be over. Right. Uh, I wouldn't go so far to say it would be over, no, uh, just because of how difficult, again, Mississippi State schedule in particular is moving forward to ver- for us to be able to jump them. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you, you really need to go get at least two. I personally expect a sweep going up to Columbia this, this weekend. Uh, go ahead and get three this weekend. If you do that, I mean, you're in unbelievable shape to at least make Hoover and, you know, then you get Auburn coming to town after that. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they've won a single game in Oxford in baseball since 2014, you know. So uh, you, if you turn around and, and sweep them again, keep that trend going, then you go to Alabama for three games for a chance to get to 14 and 16, unbelievably, uh, on the year for this baseball team. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously a tall task to even get to that point, and it's not worth talking about right now. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's still a lot to play for, uh, and and a lot of credit to Mike Bianco and these players too. I know we touched on a little bit Tuesday in the Twitter space. I mean, these these guys haven't given up. They're still playing their tails off out there. They're giving it everything they got. So uh, you know, kudos to them, these young guys. You see a bunch of them growing up right before our eyes right now, and 
Uh, still a heck of a lot to play for because we're, we're right there in reach to get to Hoover. And if you get to Hoover and get in the tournament, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of interesting to think about um, exactly where yeah. this team was. Because they were, let's see, 5 and 16, right? That, that That's what they are yeah. at the moment. Last year they were uh-huh. seven and fourteen, so it's a two-game, yeah. a little bit more difficult stretch. Difference there, yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and again, just kind of going back to this Hoover conversation. Uh, you know, we talked about Missouri State and Georgia being the teams that that were really battling to to jump to get into that conversation. Uh, Missouri has us obviously this weekend, and they welcome Georgia into Columbia next weekend. So, so that's a big one for Ole Miss too, because one of those two teams is, is going to lose two games next weekend, right? And then they finish up at Auburn, who's playing a lot better right now, which Ole Miss will play next weekend. Uh, but that one will be in Swayze at least. Mississippi State has a bear of a schedule left, man. They they get Arkansas at home this weekend, then they travel to LSU and then get A&M at home to close the the uh, schedule for them. So, I mean, they, they've got nine really, really tough games. Uh, they're, they're really, really in danger of missing Hoover. And then Georgia, you know, they, they get Tennessee this weekend and then go to Mizzou like we talked about. And then they close with the home series against LSU. So those – those that that Tennessee and LSU series, I mean, that that's a potential for six losses with the way that those two teams are playing. Those two teams, Tennessee and LSU, are really peaking at the right time right now. Uh, Tennessee is going to be a real problem for whoever they end up getting into a regional with and matched up in a super regional. I mean, they they kind of have that old Miss feel from last year right now with the team that kind of underperformed throughout the conference late earlier in the year, and they're they're really turning it on right now. And you know how much talent they have, so. Uh, and and Ole Miss, you know, we have the easiest schedule of all of them: Missouri, Auburn, Alabama. So uh, yeah, it's it's kind of lined up for Ole Miss right now. And you know, you just keep going out there, playing the best you can, keep keep playing hard. Good things are going to eventually happen. They they kind of have to. That's kind of what I said Sunday with that Georgia game. You know, uh, somebody said, well, you know, it's a good thing he dropped the ball because he would have been out at home plate. Well, you know, we we were owed that from from all the things that have happened this year. You know. It's about time one of them went our way. So so maybe that's a, a little bit of a swing for us right now. Keep playing hard and good things are going to happen for us. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about the Mizzou series right now. But um, after that's over, we're going to talk about of this Ole Miss baseball team. And, I mean, I get Jacob Gonzalez is way up the draft boards and everything. But yeah. think about um, three or four players off of this team that have a really good chance at the next okay. level. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But first of all, let's let's talk about the Mizzou series, Ole Miss going up to Columbia, I believe. Um, and mm-hmm. I think Missouri swept Tennessee earlier this year. Um, yeah. And they have five total wins in the conference. So it's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to lead off with. You know, they 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 had that first series of the year end up sweeping Tennessee, and they had a really good non-con, too. They, they, they played really well leading into SEC play, and everybody thought, well, you know, this – Mizzou team may not be as bad as we thought it was. You know, maybe, maybe they're not a bottom feeder in the SEC. And then they proceed to lose 16 of the next 18 league games. You know, I mean, it's really been a struggle for them here lately. They've they've been swept the last two weekends by Alabama and Florida. So uh, they're, they're, they're really struggling right now, and it really starts on the offensive side of the ball for them. I mean, they – really can't hit a lick right now they're they're really struggling at the plate uh they're 
dead last in average, last in OBP, last in runs, last in hits, last in RBIs, last in walks, and next to last in uh, slugging percentage and home runs. I mean, there's just really nothing on that offense that scares you uh, as, as far as what they've done so far this year. Uh, so they're they're really scuffling at the plate. I mean, they've they've got one guy, third baseman Luke Mann. He's he's playing fairly well. Overall this year, hitting 315, 13 home runs, you know, uh, 10 doubles, I think it is. So, I mean, he's he's got some pop. That's one guy you need to look out for over there at the hot corner. Uh, but they're, they're, they're not hitting it particularly well. They're not fielding it particularly well. They're next to last in fielding percentage and errors uh, defensively. And uh, with, with the pitching staff that hasn't been that good either, that's, that's a problem too. They're – they're three weekend starters. They only have one with an ERA below five so far this year. And I think his is like 460, so he's pushing it too. Uh, so it's it's just a team that doesn't hit real well, doesn't field well at all, and really struggles pitching the ball too. You know, that's kind of the, the best part about their team. But, uh, you know, the way we're swinging the bat right now, surely we can put up some runs. And uh, I've, I've actually been really encouraged the last few weeks with how Ole Miss has pitched the ball. You know, I've, I've been really impressed with some of these freshmen. They're, like I said, growing up before our eyes. Saunier was absolutely incredible, I thought, Sunday for us against Georgia. You know, he pitched that Tuesday game against uh, uh, Mississippi State. You know, he, he only went, I think, three innings, if I'm not mistaken. That's kind of when I started thinking that, that he would be in the weekend rotation after we pulled him. He pitched pretty well that game, too. And then comes out against Georgia and, you know, six innings, a one-run ball. Uh, what was it, eight or nine strikeouts, I think it was. I mean, just just a really, really good game. It was really good to see him get a little bit of confidence built up. And, uh, you know, our man Jack Doherty's back where he belongs. He's in the bullpen. Uh, struggled a lot Sunday, obviously, but but he threw a good, a good bit Friday, too. You know, Friday is where – you saw his his true value, which mean you've been talking about for month, month and a half on this podcast, getting back in there. And whenever you need him on the weekend to go get anywhere between six and nine outs, whether that be Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, the first time that opportunity comes up, throw him in there and let him win game for you. And that's what he did for us Friday. Went back to the well again Sunday. Didn't go super well for him. Uh, but, you know, Probably Maddox came back. I thought he pitched really well in his first start back in uh, – or his his first time back in over a year now. Uh, you know, fastball wasn't quite up to what it was his true freshman year, uh, but I, I still think he was pretty sharp. Command was good. Slider was good. Uh, you know, I, I imagine we'll see a good bit more of him this weekend and moving forward as long as he doesn't have any setbacks. Yeah, absolutely. So let's change the subject real quick before we get out of here. What are give me four or five players off of this baseball team that you think has has a chance to really break through at the next level? Even though you told me not to do it, I'm still going to take the free space with Jacob Gonzalez, right? <laughs> I mean, that's if you, if you told me that one guy's making the majors at, off, off this squad, it's definitely Jacob Gonzalez. Uh, but you know, you you look at a guy like Kemp Alderman. Uh, I, I I can't remember who was on the calls when we were on. Uh, ESPNU a few weeks ago, but but they kind of compared his game to Pete Alonzo just because of how big and burly he is and just how dang hard he hits the ball, right? Uh, and I've, I was kind of using Kemp Alderman earlier today talking to a buddy of mine because uh, they were talking about Will Furness. And, you know, Furness, I think, has had a pretty good year so far this year considering he's a true freshman getting thrown into the mix here. Uh, you know, Kemp didn't see a lot of time his true freshman year because he couldn't lay off that breaking ball. That's something he solved 
Uh, he's he's gotten a really good eye at the plate. He walks more than he ever has, uh, and and when that bat ever gets on the ball, he absolutely crushes it. So uh, that's that's obviously one one big thing with Kemp, and he's super athletic too. He's a lot more athletic than people give him credit for. Uh, so that's that's a guy that I think will end up playing in the majors at some point. Um, you know, I've been really impressed with Ethan Leger too. You know, I I, I was. I wasn't ready to get all on board with him at the beginning of the year and throughout his struggles. But, uh, you know, he's he's really impressed me being able to get the bat on the ball. He doesn't strike out. That's one thing I think me and you talked about it, like I said, a month and a half, maybe even two months ago at this point, how little he struck out. And eventually those balls had to start finding holes, and they finally are at this point. Uh, so that's, that's a guy I think can make a little bit of noise. Um, and then you've got Calvin Harris. I mean, that, that guy just absolutely – crushes the ball now I, I don't think he's going to be a catcher moving forward uh you know he's he's struggled keeping the running game uh in in check a little bit for us but uh a guy that absolutely crushes the ball from the left hand side of the plate uh, uh just a really really good overall hitter doesn't chase balls and when everyone gets in the strike zone he he absolutely crushes it and then I think we got several pitchers here uh Jack Doherty I think is going to be a a potential major league player just because of what me and you always talked about. You know, it's, it's so valued at the major league level now, having that high leverage reliever be able to go get you multiple innings and not only come in and spell your starting pitcher, but also save a bullpen too. And that's one thing he's really good at. So I think major league teams will, will look at JFD and, and see a lot of value in him too. You know, um, you say that you're talking about, high leverage relievers um and spring training this year I, I was able to I was watching the Red Sox games and there was Taylor Broadway yeah and Broadway uh, man yeah and and I think that's probably the path that Doherty is on really yeah 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 100 really really similar throws hard you know he's got that really good breaking ball to go with it and uh you know we we saw Taylor Broadway's do two and three innings at a time multiple times during a weekend, you know, during that super regional run that ended in Arizona a few years back. You know, that was really the only arm we had out there and and Mike kept going to him over and over again. Uh, Taylor's a really good player, a really good pitcher, and one that quite frankly probably isn't talked about near enough as far as one of the better relievers we've had in Oxford just because of how much of a workload he ended up taking on during his career, especially the back end of it. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is Friday on the show. Tom Vanderford's going to come on, talk a little bit about Ole Miss baseball. He asked me about Hoover. He got kind of got good to go. But we're also going to talk like, about football because we always talk about football. So Tom Vanderford, Friday. Derek, thank you very much for stopping by today. Um, hope you have a great weekend and enjoy the baseball, man. Appreciate it, buddy. Hi, Toddy. Hotty Toddy.